0: table. my friends and welcome to no normal people. I'm your host Stephen Henning
1: and I am your female host Dixie Lee Henning.
2: Thanks for specifying. I don't know why we
1: have to differentiate that but I appreciate it. I identify as Stephen's wife. Yep. And Stephen's wife identifies as a female. (laughs) Cool. Cool. (laughs) Well
0: and and this is a podcast where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. Quick thing up top here. I wanted to mention that the free sticker giveaway is getting more and more responses every time we talk about it, but I want to inject a little sense of urgency and announce that we will be closing that survey and the chance for a free sticker on June 1st. So
1: if you want free stickies, you need to fill that crap out because after the first, it's no longer free stickies. It's paid for stickies.
0: It's going to be paid for on the brand new upgraded website. Website.
1: So if you don't want to so pay for the for. if you don't want to pay for the stickies, right? Then you should fill that out.
0: Get it filled out now. I've been getting such good input and feedback on that survey that I've really appreciated, and quite a few things I've been acting on. Uh, I've been getting feedback that the episode should be just a little bit longer. So if you've noticed that we're pushing seventy plus minutes,
1: it's your fault.
0: The survey is why. <laughs> so if you like it, jump on the survey, get a free sticker for yourself, and tell us that you like the longer episodes. If you don't like it get on the survey, get a free sticker still and tell us just a little shorter.
1: Or you could just speed it up in whatever app you're listening on. This and is an then option too. Get over it.
0: Cuz turns out that you and me, Dixie, we sound
1: so good
0: funny at 2x.
1: Well, you're the only person that listens to anything at 2x cuz you're a demon. It's so
0: efficient. You it's know not, what I discovered a couple weeks ago was speeding up YouTube. And I'm so excited. About
1: you it. are a heathen, man. Why are you like this?
0: Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> oh no! Who hurt you? Okay. In this episode of the podcast, we talk to my childhood best friend, Alex Falcongrove, who actually was Falcon Berg before yeah. he got married. That's a whole fun that's story whole we get into on the podcast. But that's a whole thing. Growing up in Colorado, my very first conscious memories as like a human. You know, the memories that are trapped like up in your, here in, in this your gum, skull, meat in the skull, in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. This gray matter. Some of the memories that are still in there. My very first ones involve Alex.
1: Your first human memories. Yeah. What about your first dog memories?
0: I don't want to divulge that on a podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My first memories Email as me. any living being are when I was a chinchilla for that week. Mm. And uh yeah, emphasis on the week didn't last long.
0: We should do a podcast on reincarnation. <laughs> huh? That would be fun. <laughs> but this is not the place for it. <laughs> it was so fun to catch up with Alex. I moved away from Colorado. My family moved away from Colorado when I was like 5 or 6, I think. Uh if I'm remembering correctly. And he and I just a couple weeks ago reconnected over Instagram and we decided that Instead of like doing a lot of catch up before we recorded a podcast, we just recorded the reunion.
1: Subconsciously in your childhood, you and Alex made the decision to be exactly alike.
0: Yeah. So that was kind of fun, huh?
1: That's terrifying. He
0: and I, yeah, he and I think a lot alike. Yeah. And
1: also have
0: the same same anniversary.
1: anniversary. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> which is kind of
1: wild witch magic oh my gosh anyway
0: i'm tired of everyone not we, hearing this yeah, yet we so should.
1: also he has a super cool podcast
0: oh my gosh yes guys go listen to the it's into podcast
1: in i n two yes let letter number two <laughs> in two <laughs> anyway now that we're done plugging a different podcast
0: oh my gosh here's our podcast it's so good with
1: alex Falcon Grove. Here we go. Alex, are you ready? I am ready. Cool. Puzzles or board games? Board games. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Oceans. Rain or sun? Sun. Tea or coffee? Coffee. (laughs) Early morning or late night?
3: late night
1: summer or winter summer libraries or museums
3: museums
1: cats or dogs
3: dogs
1: pancakes or waffles
3: french toast
1: <laughs> was i
3: prepared for that one absolutely <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> sunrise or sunset
3: sunset
1: sweet or savory mm, going with sweet do you call it soda or pop
3: honest this is the one that i don't know the most (laughs) out of all the rapid fires i think i'm gonna have to agree with dixie
1: thank you that you
3: just call it what it is
1: hogwarts or the shire
3: hogwarts
1: yeah he's my best friend now (laughs) sorry
3: that hurts Katie and I went to the, the <laughs> Hogwarts place in London. Oh
1: and, my you know, God.
3: That's, that's like a holy Mecca journey. What? Like,
1: and, oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm going to cry.
3: Okay. I'm fine.
1: Mm. My soul just died. Okay. Pizza or tacos?
3: Tacos.
1: Books or movies?
3: Oof. Movies.
1: Sweater or hoodie? Hoodie. Handshakes or hugs? Hugs. Introvert or extrovert?
3: introvert by default
1: <laughs> phone calls or texts probably texts nice okay we did it that's
0: the rapid fire that's some the more, end of the show some We're more icebreaker <laughs> questions what is your favorite candy
3: oh any kind of chocolate it mm. doesn't
1: matter
0: favorite snack
3: flaming hot cheetos or chips <laughs> and
1: salsa. <laughs> yes
0: favorite morning drink a latte oh any flavor or just going milk and espresso
3: Uh, yeah, pretty much that. I mean, every now and then we'll throw in creamer. Nice Katie and I have them every day.
0: What's your favorite city?
3: Ooh, this one's tough too. In the U.S., it's gotta be Boulder, Colorado, and outside the U.S., Siena in Italy. Oh my gosh.
0: What is your favorite novel? Calculating
3: God by Robert Sawyer.
0: Ooh. Favorite smell?
3: Uh, when you do laundry... Outside the house where the vent is, oh, I could sit yes. there and huff that for minutes. Oh, yes.
0: the dryer exhaust. Exactly. Oh, I mean, yes. that
3: probably sounds like I could die as a little kid. You know, if they just find me out there huffing the dryer vent. But right. man, that smells good.
0: What's your favorite TV show?
3: Probably Black Mirror. I feel like that is cliche, but it's so good. I feel like every like it's meme-worthy now. like, <laughs> oh yeah, that belongs to a Black Mirror. But like Dude, Black Mirror is so good.
2: I didn't
1: know that Black Mirror was a reference to your phone. Just just black screens. I I was today years old when I learned that.
0: (laughs) What is your favorite ice cream flavor?
3: Half-baked Ben & Jerry's. Yes.
0: I am with you on that. Who is the smartest person you know? And this could be either you know personally or you just know of.
3: My best friend, Kevin Gallagher.
0: Do you have a secret talent?
3: Oh, I don't know about secret. Um, I feel like I could guess anyone's Enneagram any or Myers Briggs.
0: Whoa! What was your first job?
3: Oh, I was like a a hand, like a helper at a greenhouse, like a wholesale greenhouse in Brighton, Colorado. Fun story about that is that I had that job when I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And it was because one of my friends' dads owned the place. And I was like, I want to make money over the summer. And I had to prove to his dad that he wasn't going to violate some kind of child labor law. So I like looked up all that information online, printed it out, and gave it to his dad after school one day and was like, see, it's legal. If it's agriculture, I can work 40 hours a week. And oh. And then I got gosh. a job at like 13.
0: <laughs> Holy crap. Good work. As long as you don't use it today, what was your first email address?
3: Oh, it is junk now. Okay. So I don't actually still use it. So feel free to spam this because I'll never check it. <laughs> well, yeah. It's CaptainFalcon707 at... MSN.
0: That's yep.
1: so good. I love this so much. Fucking punch. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. What was your first pet?
3: Oh man, it was this terribly ugly and overweight dog named Barkley, and <sighs> we named him after the book Nobody Loves Barkley. Oh before, like, my god! It's such a sad book, That's and the dog so looks exactly sweet. like that dog. He was a good family dog, though. He
1: was That's a good dog. So sweet. He was a good
3: boy even if he was very dumb and very ugly.
0: Yeah, he was like- The ugly ones are the best. He was so ugly, he was lovable.
3: Yeah, you just kind of felt bad for him most of the time. Yeah,
0: like a beat up teddy bear. Exactly.
3: That's so accurate, you have no idea. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: Do you have a historical hero? Uh,
3: Marcus Aurelius.
0: What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in?
3: Oh, I've thought about this one too. I'm sure it wasn't a fashion trend. It was just bad. And it was my haircut from 12 to 20. It was awful. Like almost like a bowl cut, but shaggy. You know, it was just long everywhere.
1: Yeah. Nice. No,
3: should have cut my hair.
1: Yeah.
0: I think I had that phase from like 13 to 16.
3: I have to believe that it's because we get acne. And we're like, if I just grow my hair, no one can see my forehead. There you go. Everything would be better if you just cut your hair. Yeah.
0: This is not a bad theory. (laughs) (laughs) If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
3: This is a little bit cheating, but Professor X's power, which is two, technically. Nice. Because it's telekinesis and the other one.
1: Yeah. That other one.
3: Where you read Um, minds. Telepathy. There you go. Telekinesis. Yeah.
0: What are foods you will never eat?
3: I would try most anything, but if coleslaw is on the plate, I'm going to throw it away.
2: Yes.
1: Wow. Thank you. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I hate
1: coleslaw.
0: (laughs) What would you eat for your last meal?
3: Man, chicken wings. (laughs) I love chicken wings. It doesn't even matter where. Like just a medium Frank's Red Hot chicken wing.
0: What did you want to be when you grew up?
3: I read... My first grade yearbook, so I know this answer, because it was just in there as a little blurb. <laughs> wow. and it said author or inventor.
0: Okay, finally, in the icebreaker questions, what would you consider your proudest achievement?
3: It's gotta be getting married. Aw. Yeah. Uh it's true though. Marriage is pretty cool. It yeah, is absolutely I agree.
0: Fantastic. Alex Falcongrove, I'm so glad that you're on the podcast with us.
3: Happy to be here.
0: You were the first best friend I ever had in my life.
3: Dude,
2: likewise.
3: I
0: Man, I remember when we were probably four or five years old is when I have a lot of memories of Brighton, Colorado. Yeah. Playing on the trampoline with you. And I remember sliding down your carpeted stairs in sleeping bags. And I, like
3: exercise mats. All oh, kinds of stuff.
0: yep. And I remember playing smash bros on the nintendo 64 in your basement
3: oh yep my good some of the most angry moments of my life (laughs) (laughs) when i was young
0: yes absolutely and then my family went and moved to iowa and it crushed my soul crushed my heart to leave you alex but uh that's true but man what 20 years later now, we're reconnecting because we both have podcasts and we both like each other's podcasts.
3: (laughs) Yes, it's awesome. I've listened to your episodes and I am so... I'm still looking forward to talking to you. Cause I like who you are, which I like, would have thought, you know,
1: you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 20 years
3: later, you're cool. are still we all right. Trains and stuff and play pretend. Right. And then once real life happens, you're still like, Oh man, that person's awesome.
0: You're still pretty interesting.
1: I would like to say that I have only been talking to you for like 45 minutes. And, uh, I am not even remotely surprised that you guys were friends. You guys yes. are so alike, it's yes. weird. I
3: agree. <laughs> Listening to the episodes, I'm like, "Oh man. This there is... are so many parallels." It's like, yeah, "How absolutely. the heck did
1: you guys become friends at 4 and now 20 years later, you guys like the same stuff and talk about the same stuff yep. and it
3: We imprinted on each other." <laughs> yeah our destinies are <laughs> entwined forever. Yes, absolutely.
0: Blowing
1: my mind. Well,
0: this is good. This is good reminiscing, but we are here to do a podcast about you. So, Alex, would you tell us about where you grew up and what your family was like growing up?
3: Oh boy. So, I stayed in the same place for my whole life, which was really nice for development, consistency, which was Brighton, Colorado. My family consists of two parents, who I love very much, and I've been close to for my whole life, which I'm very thankful to have. And the the older I get, I realize um, how that's not the norm. Uh, Having like a cohesive family where we all get along. So Mm -hmm. thanks, family. Um, (laughs) I have two older sisters, which I like to say that's why I know how to talk to people and interact in society. (laughs) because they were really good at teaching me that. And because I had to kind of for most of my life be around people who were older than me. Mm -hmm. It just makes you be comfortable in that environment, which we'll find out why a lot of my life turned out the way that it did. So that's family. Then Kevin Gallagher, who we've already slightly heard about. Right. um, Was essentially like an adoptive brother. (laughs) So Kevin and I, I don't have a conscious memory without Kevin being there, mm-hmm. so like you know, if you have memories around what three or four or whatever, yep, right. So it's like you were a best friend, Kevin was a best friend, and another guy named Neil Cade. And Kevin has been consistent throughout my entire life, and like he comes to Christmases and Thanksgivings and like all family holidays. So that's childhood. That's for awesome.
2: Me.
0: Wow, you're you're bringing all these memories back. I remember Neil mm-hmm. as well.
3: But yeah, he lived right next door. Yep. Man,
0: I, I legitimately think my first conscious memory ever is you and I riding our bikes around the little cul-de-sac that we used to live on, just like back and mm-hmm. forth on the loop.
3: Wow. Uh, yep. <laughs> or scooters. Uh, there's all, or rollerblades, you know, we had all kinds of fun toys. We had a lot um,
0: of wheels to attach to our bodies.
3: <laughs> 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 Love dangerous things to do on asphalt. Right. It's like transformers. Absolutely. I don't know how you felt about your upbringing, Stephen, because we grew up on essentially the same street. Yep. But for me, that was like maybe lower middle class in Colorado. And I remember my family like being in debt for most of my life. And hmm. so it was like, even though we were all doing OK, there was like a constant like are we poor? You know, like, <laughs> we can't afford everything. And like, that was on, it was often a topic of discussion. Wow. Like, are well, we, we can't do poor? That because money. So that was my childhood. Wow. But that eventually changed just as my dad kept furthering his career. And then as my sisters left the house. Sure. Like, by the time I'm a teenager, it was upper middle. So that definitely influences kind of like a fear that I have with money, but we might get there later. So there's there's an aspect of like, there were times where money was not a thing and like it was minimalist and happy, but there was still like, no, you can't buy everything that you
0: want. Huh. Wow. Well, so you grow up in Brighton, you go to high school in Brighton as well. I do. Okay. Uh,
3: my freshman year, I went to Brighton High School and then I transferred to Eagle Ridge Academy. And the reason I did that was because they offered concurrent enrollment. So I was also taking college classes.
2: Nice. I just
1: did
3: normal uh,
2: high school. Yeah. Nice. So I
3: left high school with an associate's degree. Dang. Um, which this is fun later because Katie, my wife, also grew up in Brighton, but we never met each other. And she is a year younger than me.
1: Wow. She also
3: went to Brighton High, but we never met because I transferred before she was there.
1: Whoa. Wow. And
3: thank goodness, because we would not have worked in high school.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we both grew a lot. That's good to, to be fair. Steven and I
1: didn't work in high school, but we figured it out. <laughs> we, yeah,
0: we, nice. did our, we did our best. Okay, so when you graduated high school, what was the associates that you graduated with concurrently?
3: It's just Associates of Arts. Okay. Nice. So it was through Front Range Community College. Okay. So you just graduate with a community college degree. Sure. Essentially.
0: And following that, do you go and get a bachelor's degree anywhere?
3: Oh, I certainly try. (laughs) The way that I phrase it so that I don't technically lie is that I spent four years at college and I finished college because I was all done. (laughs) <laughs> do I have a bachelor's degree?
1: No, I did not. <laughs> did you know? I lie in
3: any of those sentences? No, I did not. <laughs> so I do I do end up going to CU Boulder, which part of me looked down on because that's also where my dad went. It was still in Colorado. That was mm. the Colorado State school. Right. And I had really high aspirations leaving high school, you know, so I was like, man, am I going to go to to school in New York? Am I gonna go to California and study? Might you know, MIT was on the table. So all things that were potentials. What ended up being the deciding factor was just money and scholarships. Right. I um, see. And being close to family. And that is a theme throughout my entire life of like, because I have such a good support system, it's really hard to leave. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to miss out on My sister's lives or my parents' lives or now my nieces and nephews' lives. Yeah. Um, So being in Boulder, that's only 45 minutes away from my hometown, Mm -hmm. which was far enough to be independent, but not so far that I couldn't go back for holidays or even a weekend where I'm like, man, um, school sucks this week and I need a break. (laughs) Right. Yes. Right. So yeah, I go to CU Boulder, which ends up being awesome. Love it. Highly recommend it. Even though... I don't recommend college to everyone, being someone who didn't even end with a degree. Yeah. Did you ever Um, have a declared major? I did. So I started as engineering physics, which is a physics degree, but a bachelor of science. Yeah. Um, Which is counterintuitive because you're like, physics is science. No, that's a bachelor (laughs) of art degree. So if you do engineering physics, then it's a BS instead of a BA. Okay. Wow. So I do that. I want to say I do that for a year, and eventually I switched to mechanical engineering because after a while I just kind of realized like it's better to generalize. Everybody knows what a mechanical engineering degree is. Not everyone knows what engineering physics is, right? And especially for jobs, you know, they would list like here are the majors that we want you to be pursuing or have, and engineering physics is on those lists because nobody knows what it is. <laughs> uh, I
2: see.
0: Even though I think just deductive reasoning it sounds like it's fairly close to mechanical engineering already oh certainly
3: yeah (laughs) really the only difference is i want to say instead of taking like your high level engineering classes like thermodynamics and dynamics those types of classes instead you're taking high level physics and theoretical physics oh i see okay which to me are objectively more fun and interesting. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, right, because the theoretical stuff is the stuff that other people have not figured out yet. Whereas if you're just studying thermo, it's like, okay, I'm just just learning the things now.
3: (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of both. And what's cool about physics is you get to a point, so like physics one and two is when you're studying mainly Newtonian physics. Mm. But eventually... Uh, in physics three is when you start talking about the E equals MC squared and how space time can bend. Yes. And relativity. Right. And so you hit a point of physics people being like, the universe doesn't make sense, but we're certainly trying. And here's our <laughs> best method so far. Where engineering is like, this is the way it is. Here's your equation. Figure it out with brute force.
0: This is the way um, it will always be. Get over it.
3: Yeah. And eventually, <laughs> part of the reason why I don't finish is that I stop loving engineering. And
2: mm.
3: what kind of sucks about the whole story is that I start in first grade, right? What do you want to be when you grow up? An inventor. Yep. And that's consistent for my entire childhood. Yeah. In high school, you know, I start to take like intro to engineering classes. I'm taking math and science. I'm loving it. I end up taking robotics in high school. I'm like, oh, heck yes. Engineering, that's the way to go. When you go to college, it sucks the the fun and creativity out of everything. (laughs) And and I I really don't like how at least the standard college model of engineering education is structured, especially because I don't think a lot of people are using, you know, Calc 3 and differential equations when they're actually an engineer. Mm at least not as in-depth as academia prepares you for. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Uh, So very quickly, I start to lose interest and motivation, and I start pursuing other things in college. And eventually, I have a pretty nice job, like my senior year, and I find out, so I fail some classes. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Maybe more than once. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Whoops. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is it's going to take me like a full bonus year Another, what, 25 grand for another year, maybe? Mm, Yep. Even though I already have a really good job and an employer who wants to hire me full time. So I was like, well, this doesn't really make sense, especially the more that I do engineering, the less I want to be in engineering. Yeah. So that is eventually why I stopped pursuing my degree and (laughs) never finished, even though I went to school for four, four and a half years.
0: Well, there you go. And, Was the employer at that time your current employer now?
3: So, throughout college, I had an internship with TicoMet, which was a medical device manufacturing company, and I was a continuous improvement engineer, which was awesome, (laughs) and if I could still do that, I might.
0: That sounds like a job built for Enneagram Ones.
3: Oh, dude. (laughs) I feel like you would love it, especially you saying that you love podcasts. Uh, but so continuous improvement. Basically, my job was to make things more efficient. So either I made it faster or higher quality or safer or something along those lines. And people would you know, submit suggestions. I would walk around a manufacturing facility and just look for problems. And I had a 3D printer at my disposal, uh, like a vinyl cutter, a plotter. So a lot of it was just making a system for someone who did a very repeatable procedure. Yeah. And the whole goal was just, how do I make this better, faster, higher quality? Which, that is crack cocaine for a person like me. Oh
0: my god, <laughs> that sounds so exciting to me. I oh literally, yeah.
1: I'm not convinced that you and Steven are not the same person. I am,
0: I'm, I'm,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm giddy right now, I'm so hyped. <laughs> yeah, it was
3: pretty cool. So... That is not the job that I currently have, but that is engineering. So eventually, once I get to the point, I want to say like my junior or senior year, that's when I start deciding like mm, engineering might not be for me. Maybe I'm more business minded because mm-hmm. there's like this structure thing. I'm doing a financial side systems. Mm, we'll see. So I pursue a business minor. I finish my business minor, but not my major.
2: <laughs> nice call. Yeah, um, there you go.
3: And I decide maybe I should get more experience in the business world since I've already interned with an engineering company for like two and a half years. Okay. And so I just look on a CU job board and there's one that says executive assistant to the CEO. I say, hey, that sounds pretty good. And the pay was significantly better than anything I saw, you know, related to engineering interns or whatever. Wow. You know, they like... Twelve to fifteen an hour. And right. A starting executive assistant was like twenty two fifty. Where I was like, "What the heck? Gee, Let's do that." Uh,
0: yeah. Right.
3: So for both of those reasons, like, hey, how? What better way to learn how to run a business than to just shadow the person who runs a business? Right. You'll probably learn a ton from that.
0: Yep. And it was
3: with Tiley Roofing, who is who I currently work for, and I. <laughs> Through a fluke. Basically, I get lucky a lot throughout <laughs> my story, and I think people don't talk about that enough.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot l- of success the luck be attributed factor? to luck.
3: No. Yeah, like kidding. luck favors the prepared, but yes. also, oh my and gosh. sometimes the bold. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And it's worth rewinding because there's some fun stories in college. I join a Christian fraternity called Alpha Gamma Omega, and that is. One of the reasons that I stopped being interested in college. Whoa. So Alpha Gamma Omega, I joined it because I saw sidewalk chalk on campus and it said Christian fraternity. And I looked at that and I thought, that's a dumb oxymoron. That is so dumb. Why would anyone do that? What does that mean?
1: That sounds like fun. Yeah. And this is...
3: As I'm jumping between campus ministries, you know, trying to find out where you might fit in. Mm -hmm. Right. And eventually I get invited to one of the Christian fraternities Bible studies. And I hear like, hey, they also do this thing on campus called I'm a Christian, ask me anything. And they just set up a table. I would say that it has a structure similar to like uh, Stephen Crowder's Change My Mind. Oh, um, yeah. But probably less aggressive. But essentially (laughs) like... Hey, here we are. This is us trying to do evangelism. Right. And being in Boulder, like you have a ton of people who are going to engage with you. Yep. So that style of ministry was really appealing to me. So I thought, okay, maybe it's not as dumb as I think. And I start hanging out with the brothers of the fraternity, <laughs> and they end up being awesome. They're really cool guys, very down to earth. And what is so weird about fraternities is that it's all these college guys being having authority over themselves like there is no grown-up there is no paid staff like every other ministry you know has someone has someone there to be like all right i'm i'm the one who leads this oh no you know i'm being funded by blank this is like you might have uh an advisor who goes to your meetings like once a month But it's just a bunch of college guys who are Christians who want to figure this thing out. And that ended up being the best thing for me. Right. And we ended up having a house. So I lived in a fraternity house my entire college career. Wow. Wow. And I lived (laughs) in one of them with 16 other dudes. Nice. And it's insane and so fun and so good for your soul and so good for relationships And to this day, like, those are my best friends that I still talk to. Yeah. And I don't know that everyone comes out of college with, like, that many close, good friends. Right. And we'll probably get to, like, spirituality and deconstruction, but the other best thing about a community like that is regardless of where people's beliefs pendulum swing or wherever they're at, Mm. like... You lived with those guys. You went to meeting with those guys every week. Yes. You did life with them throughout all of college. Like nobody, it's it's hard to compare and contrast to church because church is like, do you believe these things? And if you don't, it's kind of hard for you to belong here. Right. At least that has been how I felt coming to adulthood. Mm-hmm. But having that group of guys, they're just like, yeah, we're brothers. Like this is what we're here for, regardless of what you believe. Excellent. So that is step one to Alex losing interest in college. (laughs) So eventually I become president of that Christian fraternity, which, and I should clarify, because you probably have questions of like, Christian fraternity is an oxymoron,
2: Alex. (laughs) What is that?
3: (laughs) Um, So we were, we were a dry house, which means no parties in the house, no alcohol in the house. Everyone was clean. If we had a party, we brought in our own DJ and there were snacks and <laughs> soda slash pop it's like
1: fruit uh, snacks. yeah
0: it's it's like just upgraded youth group
1: fruit snacks and Mountain it Dew. really is yeah <laughs> like if
3: you've been to a college ministry party it was that yeah but probably a little bit more fun because we were unsupervised
1: right
2: um, well, yeah. like
3: one of our best stories is that we built a slip and slide out of our fraternity house window
1: oh my gosh
3: and it was awesome <laughs> Wow. And the only reason that I ever had the cops called on our house is because we played music after 11 o'clock, but little did they know, we were good little Christian boys who were shutting down the party at 11 anyway. Yeah. Perfect. Take that. So I am president of Alpha Gamma Omega, and my senior year-ish of college, I find out that I'll have to take a bonus semester, Mm. which is why I say four and a half years, Yep. and There is an inter fraternity council, which is called the IFC. Right. Which all these fraternities are part of. So in Boulder, all the fraternities are not affiliated with the school. And that is very different from normal state schools. Yeah. Mm. Because the university governs it. Oftentimes they might even own the property that the fraternity occupies. Mm -hmm. Right. Not the case in Boulder. So there's this other thing called the IFC that all the fraternities are a part of, and they self-govern, which is pretty surprising that it works, but it's been amazing because it's worked for the last decade. Mm-hmm. And they say, hey, we are having elections and no one has applied to be president of the IFC. If anyone in your house is interested, please apply. And by then I had not been president of AGO for like a year. and they tell me about this, and I think, you know what? Might as well, you know. <laughs> do I have the experience to represent 1,200 fraternity men in houses that absolutely have parties and are not all good, easy little Christian boys? No, I absolutely do not have that experience. Why did I think I should do that? I don't know.
0: Hubris, um, maybe.
2: I
3: guess. And also, like, I'm so I'm an Enneagram 3, and this will come out more and more. hmm so some of it was just like, I want the position. I want yeah. to see if I can do it. I yeah. want the authority. And some of it was like, maybe I'm supposed to do this. And that's kind of the christian coming out. Yeah. Which may or may not have been true, but that's certainly how I felt. Sure. Like, the president of the Christian fraternity ends up leading the whole Christian community or the whole fraternity community. And yeah. Like, everyone's better for it. They'll probably make um,
1: a movie out of that, <laughs> you know?
3: A, a bad Christian
1: film. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> God's Not Dead Part Seven. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. The IFC. <laughs> uh, it's in Roman numerals. Right. Yes. Oh, great. yes. Oh. So I tossed my hat in the ring and run against like two other people. And they're the whole time because they would grill you with questions. And they're like, do you how do you think that you can govern, you know, a house that's completely different than AGO? And I just gave them kind of an honest answer. And Yeah. So I ended up winning. And that was a crazy time in my life. That is also when I started dating my wife, Katie. Nice. And my life got broadened during that time. (laughs) We'll put it that way. This is also, so up to this point, like I didn't drink underage. Like I was still in the good Christian fraternity house. I had no need to. And when I become president, I also turned 21. And there's just this amount of like, I get to see an entirely different side of college and the world in general. Right. Kind of like what the secular world did and thought and believed and valued. Right. um, For better and for worse. Like some things where I said, man, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not, quote, part of that, even though I'm the president and representing them. Right. And then other things where I was pleasantly surprised and like, wow, these are, really good guys who value the same thing that like these christians valued there was an amount of like oh that's not a christian thing that's a human thing yeah like everybody everybody wants to be loved and feel loved and if they're drinking with their brothers and having a rager at their house even if it looks different than what (laughs) i do the motivation is exactly the same
2: Mm. and that was
3: important to understand and there's plenty more fun stories with that, as I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I committed all of my time to my part-time job and being president of either the Christian Fraternity or eventually the IFC and very little to school. Uh-huh. <laughs> so over time, my GPA declined and declined. And I was like, I just don't care about this. And then by the time I finish my term as IFC president is when I decide I'm not going to finish. And by then, I'm employed with Tylee.
1: Nice. So.
0: Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or Facebook.com, where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one- or two-sentence review.
1: You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Pod. That's K-N-O-W people, Pod. Also, be sure to use our hashtags, NoNormalPeople and hashtag KNP. Hi there, my name is Dixie Lee and I am the host of Author's Intent. As a movie addict and book enthusiast, I both love and hate the decisions some directors make in book adaptations. Join me as we go through the best books this world has to offer as we dive into what the author intended. We'll talk about the things that were done well, as well as some of the major faux pas in some of the most beloved stories. Season one, episode one, we will be diving into the wonderful world of Harry Potter, starting, of course, with the Sorcerer's Stone. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at authorsintent. And a special thanks to Louis Zong for the use of his song Melody Meadows off of his album Levels.
0: You mentioned back in that story that you started dating your wife around this time. So you guys were dating through college-ish. You discover that you were in Brighton together most of your life and never knew it.
3: Yep, parallel lives never intersected till college. <laughs> right
0: now, I've only seen the highlights of your guys's relationship. Pretty much starting with your engagement in Paris. Oh boy!
3: Yep. <laughs> so. Which that might sound like a dream come true. It was very dumb of us to do. <laughs> we had been dating for seven or eight months and <laughs> kind of joked about it that whole trip. Oh man, Stephen.
0: Let's get
1: into it. Let's get into it, I want to know. I want to know everything.
3: You're going to start seeing a theme of just like, well, I guess. What's the worst that could happen? And just jumping into the pool and it kind of working out most of the time. Sure. And that's kind of how getting engaged worked out. I must say, especially because you said that you see highlights. Yeah. The worst first date I've ever been on was with my wife.
1: Nice. Okay.
3: (laughs) It went terribly uh, that's another story. And we didn't talk pretty much for six months after that. Wowzers. Oh man. Wowzers. And, and then it, the spark was back and the door was opened and I knew the whole time that I was head over heels for her. Yeah. So during that six months, it like was kind of, cause I decided I wasn't going to talk to her, but also the whole time I'm like, man, I want to talk to Katie so bad. She's so cool. Okay. <laughs> so <hot." laughs> She's
0: so
1: hot.
3: so eventually we actually start dating in like august officially and we again this is my family being cool and kevin being very smart and very impulsive and very fun right so she is around i want to say in october hanging out at my parents house um, with my parents and with kevin And we're all having a nice time. It's like on a weekend. We're going to have a family dinner or something. And I have to leave for some reason for a couple hours. And Katie's hanging out with that group. And Kevin, uh, being impulsive and super fun as he is, says, (laughs) hey, guys, I found a deal for $400. We can go to Amsterdam and back. And everyone says, that sounds like a great idea. All right. Right, Let's buy tickets right now for spring break. And, and so do. they did. And I came home and they said, hey, Alex, guess what we're doing over spring break? We're going to Amsterdam. And I'm like, um, something you should not do with someone you've been dating two to three months is to go to another an country international trip <laughs> in April. <laughs> Perfect. Don't do that. Perfect. With with my family and my best. Friend. Oh man. So yeah, is was that a super dumb thing to do? Hundred percent. Sure. Don't do that I would yeah. not recommend it. <laughs> did it absolutely work out for me? And did I propose to my girlfriend after dating her for seven or eight months? And we're married, and it worked out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Thank God. That's so good. So at this point, how long have you guys been married?
3: Oh, we're about to be at two years in July. Wow. Yeah. What what
1: day in July?
3: Fourteenth. Nice try, Dixie.
1: Oh my god! Oh <laughs> really?
3: Did we get married on the same day? That's we, our anniversary that too. That is
1: our anniversary. <laughs> oh, how
3: sweet! What, what a perfect day! What the hell? This is, this is crazy. Okay. imprinted. I, I think
0: this is very true, Alex. This is crazy.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Okay, everything's fine. Everything is Everything cool. Everything
0: is cool. Alex, talk me through what happened. With your last name when you got married, because ah. for your entire life you were Alex Falconberg, and then you married Correct. someone named Katie Congrove,
3: and now I am Falcongrove.
0: I love that. So, what was what was that decision like?
3: Um, <laughs> as with most things, it started out kind of like a joke. <laughs> so you know how you have a couple name, so yep. like Dixie, what was your maiden name? Park. So you would have been like the parkings, <laughs> like, yeah, the the hankers. Everyone, all couples, at least in college, you know, you would pair up, yeah. And be like, oh yeah, that's the you know whatever. So you
1: I think it. people call sure. like
0: or like Jim and Pam is jam. People these, call this exactly
1: Stixy in high school. I, I remember oh, that. that's good. This I is like the, that.
0: This is the first time I've heard. Yeah, this. I know.
1: There's there's a reason for that. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. <laughs>
3: um so everyone's calling us falcon grove you know just for fun and it was fun and we that was just our little couple name right and then we like actually kind of seriously started talking about it as it got further through our engagement and i bring it up to my parents and my dad was so cool about it and so excited. Yeah. Which I think most people would be like, geez, did you, like, not get along with your father and you, like, (laughs) don't want to have his last name? Right. Right. Yes. But he was super down with it because he's like, yeah, dude, Berg is, like, the least cool part of that last name. (laughs) (laughs) Krakenberg, I I will say, is already pretty
2: cool. Yeah. I agree. But, yeah,
3: Berg Berg is, like, starts out good and then kind of dumps on it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And we started thinking about the symbolism too. So, like, I'm kind of the last of the Falconbergs, and Katie is the last of the Congroves, mm. at least on this side. Like, I'm sure we have more extended family. There's a, plenty more male Falconbergs.
1: Right. Sure. Um, but that
3: idea of, like, hey, why do we do names the way we do, you know? And without, like, we weren't thinking about it that deep. But that was part of the conversation. Yeah. Of like, yeah, let's let's give both of our heritages credit because it is working out. Like we kind of got lucky in that our names fit together really well. Right. right. And let's do it. So I got to go through the fun process of changing my name. So I know what all the ladies have to go through. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Fun times. But ours is even more difficult because it's a new name. Right. So if I said I would like to be Congrove, and Katie kept her last name, that's easy. You just fill out some paperwork. I mean, it's still a process, right? (laughs) for sure. If you make up a name, which is what we did, you have to go through so many hoops and go talk to a judge and tell the judge why you want to change your name, and the judge has to say yes, and they stamp a paper. (laughs) So my name is legally Falcon Grove, Katie's is not, and we've almost been married two years. <laughs> wow. So that's a constant, something I can give her crap for until she officially changes it. Right.
0: Yeah. I'm imagining you in the chambers making an argument to why you should start a brand new name. Yeah. I'm just imagining you using like pop culture. like, <laughs> Your Honor, you know that moment where Andy makes a joke about Dunder Mifflin infinity and he he says, push the words together to Dunder Mifflin. Fini- you know that? That's what I want to do.
2: I want to do that. <laughs> and the judge just shakes his head. Yep, right, like, do
3: it. Get out of my corner. Like get, millennials, get man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, I really love your last name. Oh, thank you. Me too. It is very I made cool. It myself, <laughs> yeah. if,
0: if, and and you're one of the few people that I can actually say that.
3: <laughs> exactly. It was fun. A fun conversation starter, even with strangers, you know, Mm -hmm. like if someone is checking your ID or you're paying on a credit card or something and they're like, Falcon Grove, that's a cool last name. Right. And for your response to be, thanks, I made it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is so weird.
3: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so good.
0: I want to keep the conversation going about how cool your family is and how cool Kevin is to just be a part of your family, basically. Oh, yeah. And I want to get into your own podcast project called the Into Podcast.
3: Quite, it's about what we're into. This is
0: <laughs> In Two, the number two podcast. And I absolutely love your guys' tagline at the very beginning because you know, you know, our show is no normal people, and we're kind of riffing on the N O inside the K N O W. Mm-hmm.
3: So clever.
0: But so when you say in your tagline, we seek to incite insight. insight. I I'm so excited by this. So this is a show. This is your tagline. We seek to insight insight with our friends and listeners. We spark laughter and strive to deepen our understanding of the world and the things we share it with. So how is this project born and what is it like to podcast with your parents, your wife, and your best friend?
2: Well
3: said, you nailed that. (laughs) Uh, It's super fun. And the whole inspiration came out of what happened throughout like my entire adolescence with my family my mm-hmm. dad had a hot tub in our backyard and my parents were super welcoming of any friends that i would bring over mm-hmm. um, god bless my mother because i would never <laughs> tell her when i was bringing five
1: people over <laughs> ah i see <laughs> but and you were your saint
3: I mean essentially and if anything it wasn't even cool it was loving like we were just a house that people felt safe in yeah and that's completely due to my parents that's so good so we would bring people over and like hence having an essentially adoptive brother Kevin and you don't know about Chris but Chris was my other best man yeah keep talking about unconventional wedding stuff yeah no kidding two people. Good work. So two best men. Yep. One was Kevin. And then the other one was Chris. And Chris lived with my parents and I while I was in high school and he was doing community college and he lived with us for two years hmm. and he is my other best friend.
2: <laughs>
3: so that again is a testament to like, yeah, my parents would be like, hey, do you need a place to stay? Cool. Live in the basement, you know, rent free for two years or wow, or yeah. super reduced rent or something. That's cool. Yes. So... We would have these type of conversations all the time. And whether that's around the dinner table or late at night in a hot tub, which is where a lot of them started, you know, when you're like 15 years old and think you know about the world and all you 15 year olds are like, this is what it should be like. This is what I think about religion and philosophy. Right. Uh, And I know all the right answers. Which which is fun to scoff at now, but like that's essential to development and- Those types of conversations are the ones that I think can be most difficult to have. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're not always around a community that is going to understand you and wants to participate in the way that I think we ought to. Mm -hmm. Right. And so essentially that's what Into is about. And sometimes we'll talk about, you know, very deeply... Christian ideas Um, so that might be theological it might get into philosophy sometimes we just like to have fun episodes where we talk about fun stories or humor social issues science Um, so it's a balance of we want to talk about important things but also at the end of the day like we're all just friends and family around the same table talking about stuff that we think matters Mm -hmm. right
0: you guys are four episodes in as of us recording this today and Yep, yep. I, I love the way you guys title your episodes: "Robot Souls," oh, "Old thanks. Ships," and a teacup full of brains.
2: <laughs>
3: Which, as of now, is probably still my favorite episode. So that the so the way that it started is that was a conversation starter or like a party topic that I had throughout college, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that should have been a secret talent. Like, I don't know that it's a secret talent, but like, I would just bring up that question. And it's so fun.
0: Set up the basic question of this episode because you got into some of my absolute favorite thought experiments that I've encountered oh, yeah. in my life.
3: So the, the premise is, you know, Stephen, you are a human. And over time, we're going to slowly replace your body parts with robot parts and I'll, I'll progressively ask you, are you a human and are you Stephen? And what this gets to the bottom of is soul. So these hypothetical questions, yes. um, especially like in a religious environment, can right. be really helpful for determining like, what do I actually think about the soul? Yeah, It's very silly. Like, I, I doubt it's ever going to happen, at least not in our mm-hmm. lifetime, that I can take your brain out of your body, put it in a robot. And then I ask the question, does that thing have Steven's soul? Right Stephen yeah. mean. Yep. So that's what episode one is primarily about. You know, and, start start uh,
0: nice and light.
1: You know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but at least we're uh what we don't talk about in that episode is like, and if he died, where would he go? You know yeah. is he going to heaven or hell because he's in a robot? It's just like If you believe in soul, what do you think about these hypotheticals?
1: Right. And
0: where does the line get drawn? Like, where where can we figure out everyone around the table, where do they sit on when does the soul leave that body-robot hybrid?
1: And the whole, like, you have a body, you are not a body.
0: Mm. Yep. Absolutely. Which some people might
3: disagree on, and that's the fun part.
0: Oh, and then I loved the discussion and the disagreements around Theseus's ship. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. That is... Which is the... (laughs) Oh, that's the
3: ancient version of this same hypothetical. Yes. This this is not a new idea. I just adapted it.
0: Right. So this is a fantastic podcast. Everyone should check it out. It's Into Podcast. That's I-N and the number two podcast. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and check out podlink.to slash I-N and the number two to go subscribe and check out Alex's podcast. What is it like podcasting with your podcast? parents especially when concepts of especially theological and spiritual deconstruction come up what's it what's it like to sit alongside the people who raised you in what you've deconstructed
3: mm. so it would have been a lot more difficult depending on what time of my life we were talking about these things my story is that my dad and i kind of go through deconstruction at the same time which is when i'm 16 17 Okay. And it all starts with a discussion of science and just being like, "Mm, can I believe in an old earth and still be a Christian? Can I accept Mm. evolution and still be a Christian? Sure. And just kind of slowly thinking through these things and a bit, I feel like it's a house of cards that will eventually fall down and that you'll have to rebuild at some point. Mm -hmm. Then that journey takes years. So for my dad and I, you know, full circle, if, you can call our journey a circle. Sure. <laughs> it has taken, you know, a decade. Cause I I still feel like I'm putting pieces back together. Yeah. My dad, and if anything, I got close to my dad during that time. And I know that's certainly not the case for a lot of people, but he was my confidant and I was his. So he was an elder in our church, you know, reading. Books under the blanket at night with a flashlight of like, oh, God, is this stuff true? You know, am I an an atheist now? Because (laughs) I think evolution might be true. Right. And we both kind of eke it out of each other one day, you know, when I'm like 16 and learning about this stuff and my college bio class while i'm in high school sure like, Hey, dad so what do you think about this uh irreducible complexity of the eyeball you know uh, I, I heard some interesting points today that's so like oh quite a place to start uh, oh my I've gosh also, <laughs> i've also read some interesting things about that you know and like we slowly <laughs> it, it's like we we're playing we have our cards so close to our chest yeah and we keep slowly showing each other one card right and then at the end of it we both look up from the table and we're like hey are you you know we have the same hands i am (laughs) which is not the case for most people who go through deconstruction yeah so it's really hard and i don't ever want to downplay that but my journey was probably easier than most my dad had the hard journey because my mom was not in the same place Mm. and without you know telling their whole story a quote that is now a joke that used to Definitely not be a joke was that they'll have, you know, late night talks where their backs are against each other because it's not it's not fun pillow talk, and the ending quote is you're not the man I married.
1: Ooh. Whoa.
3: That's not a fun place to be. No
2: deconstruction is not
3: fun. No. Are they still married and the healthiest couple I know and marriage goals for me? Yes. But they went through that. Yeah, right?
0: they went through the hell so. of of watching each other change and uh, I guess pardon the pun, but evolve.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. in that's, front of and, each other. That's definitely and how like, Stephen and I were. We were closer mm-hmm. to that yeah. than like your relationship with your dad, because he started deconstructing, and I was like, "What the hell?" Sorry, are you talking yeah. about you, Heathen? <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> yep. And I, I definitely for anyone who isn't really in that space and who's like traditional religion you know this is what i'm about just know that if you know someone who's deconstructing or uses that language it was not a fun process and probably not a road that they wanted to go down yeah
0: and and that we're taking it seriously like we're not just doing it to make our friends angry that are still in that traditional space yeah right like we're not just doing it to be contrarian we're legitimately struggling with the God or philosophies that we were handed.
3: Yeah, I agree entirely. So now we have a podcast where we can all have these types of conversations a lot more openly and certainly because my mom has been going through stuff too. She's probably the most traditional at the table, Mm -hmm. I guess. She might even consider herself an evangelical still my wife likes to say that she is still an evangelical Baptist more because it's comforting. Right. Katie has no ill will toward that tradition. Yeah. And in fact, like really thanks that tradition for how she is today and what she strives to be. But at the same time, if you were to press her and be like, well, do you believe X, Y, and Z? And like, what are your thoughts on this? Like there, there's no way she's an evangelical Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh,
0: Okay. But she still, she still finds a comforting identity back in that, I,
3: yeah, in the title no negative thoughts.
0: Yeah, and even the language of like back in that tradition implies something negative, but that's that's not where she is.
3: I think No, not at all.
0: That is such a healthy attitude to take, especially after you've gone through the process of deconstruction, which I guess for anyone who's unfamiliar with this concept, and they're listening to no normal people, deconstruction is kind of a buzzword. Like, why are
3: these guys obsessed with yeah. construction? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: what's the deal?
0: Yeah. So de- deconstruction <laughs> is kind of a buzzword now for what could probably be called like progressive Christian Twitter. Yeah. Deconstruction is kind of the term for you start taking pieces of the religion or the faith system that you are handed, and one by one inspecting these things and deciding. Mm, Even deciding feels weird because sometimes it just feels like the things are just in you and you are just trying to align yourself to what has been most true about you. uncovering. Uncovering. Right. This is a better word for it. This is how it is,
3: whether I like it or not. Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly. So you uncover these things that are maybe inherent beliefs in you or somehow, you know, like Alex, you and I have joked about being imprinted (laughs) this whole episode. But, (laughs) you know, some of these things certainly seem to be in common with a lot of traditions and like... I don't know, for me, my deconstruction journey started with questioning the nature of hell mm. and the, the the concept of afterlife in general, but it, it started with hell and whether it was, you know, the classic eternal conscious torment version of like Jonathan Edwards that we read about, or if we're dealing with,
3: uh, annihilation.
0: Yeah, yeah. there's another conditional immortality is another way to say that. Or if we're dealing with Christian universalism, uh, which is what, Rob Bell essentially blew up the church with his book, Love Wins, for, yep. yeah, you know, these things. Man, so your, your journey started with evolution and the idea of creationism, old earth, young earth. Yep. One of our, or one of my favorite questions on this podcast is to ask, how would you describe your spirituality today compared to your childhood? So I guess starting with deconstructing evolution, what kind of steps did you take to get you to today?
3: Oh, man. So... Just to and also to get like my my childhood church background in perspective, like we were the family that left church last and like we're at every service and not against our will. Like I never thought church was boring. I loved church. I loved youth group. Mm. You know, Kevin was there. That's how I met Kevin. Yep.
2: Like church to me was
3: the best thing. I loved it. My parents loved it. I loved the people there. Eventually I learned to play the drums, which was you know, mostly motivated by worship music and eventually playing on worship teams.
2: Right. So there's a
3: lot to be thankful for. And I had a great youth pastor throughout middle school to like my sophomore year of high school who did so much, I guess, one on two time with Kevin and I, like it was a pretty (laughs) small church, but he, he sought us out and, you know, we were coming to Saturday night service and Sunday service. And like, if there was anything on a Wednesday, like we were also there. So he saw us all the time. And for me, was probably my primary father figure until I go through deconstruction. So it's great that my dad and I connect with deconstruction. But like for a while, I loved my dad, but like we weren't all that close. Sure. You know, yeah. I was like, yeah, I admire you. I know you love me. You provide for me. But maybe we don't get each other. Mm. Um, and so for a while, that was my youth pastor. And I could trust Everything that he said, and my life was better if I followed the teachings that he taught us during those sessions. If that right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I had no reason to distrust anything. Life is good. I'm going to school. I'm doing well in school. I have friends. You know, there's people who feel really loved if I invite them to youth group, and they have fun. So everything is working great. And two things happen simultaneously. One, that youth pastor ends up leaving our church in kind of a messy way, that was the first, like, why did the church do that? That hurt me. Mm. What Can I not trust you guys anymore? On just like a macro scale, which I'm sure everyone goes through at some point. I went through that when I was 15 in like a very formative time in my life. Right. So I start to get angry at the church. They got rid of pretty much my favorite person, other than (laughs) Kevin maybe. (laughs) And then... I'm also at Eagle Ridge taking these college classes. I took college biology and college chemistry, which were taught by an awesome guy. I should reconnect with him now that I'm older. It seems Dr. Vincent, and he studied in Dresden, Germany, has a PhD in biochem, and like did wow experiments on regenerative limbs with salamanders. And I'm pretty sure he was an atheist. If anything, he was probably an agnostic at that time he taught by asking questions and i think that was the first time that i was exposed to something more like that so being raised in the church like i knew all the arguments i knew all the apologetics and i know that a lot of people say that but like i really did you know this was kid who grew up in the church going to two services a week playing on the worship band like going to all the bible studies and the summer right. camps and also doing like discipleship with the youth pastor so Eventually, the arguments that I had always heard going to church were being brought up as questions in my college bio class, which, you know, for example, a a super memorable one for me was the irreducible complexity of the human eye. Mm Yeah, because that's a big one in creationist theory. It's like, well, if something is so complex that it can't work, if I remove a part, how could it ever evolve over time? And so that, that question is just brought up. So the professor writes that on the board, like, this is your warm-up today. How could the human eye evolve? Question mm. mark. And then we just talk about it. And it wasn't him being like, this is the way it happened. You're dumb if you think otherwise. And if anything, a lot of that class had evangelical Christians in there, you know, who were known for like being the book smart kids who right. like, kept their nose clean. Yeah. You know? So he had to argue with those kids all the time, but it was never an argument. We had questions like that over and over. And it instead of being like, this is the way it is, and I believe this because I don't want to believe in God, which is the narrative that I guess I was kind of pitched in Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Like, if you believe in evolution, it's because you don't want to believe that God created everything. And, you know, there's probably some kind of inherent sin. In so instead of that, it seemed like honest questioning. And going through that class, and then I, you know, started also reading other books about it. A book that he gave me that he probably should not have. Like, I don't know if he could get in trouble for this as an educator, <laughs> but I was always asking him questions after class and he gave me the counter creationism handbook,
2: hmm. which,
3: whoa, which did not, it was not written with malice, which is what I appreciated because right. I, even though I was curious, I did not find Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens compelling because of the anger.
0: Yeah, they're the mean side of the other team, you know?
3: Right. And and that's what was always pitched to me. I'm yeah. Like, see, that's what an atheist is. Right. And so then to just read something that might seem, I don't know, aggressive in a title, the counter-creationism Oh, handbook,
0: Oh, yeah, certainly. <laughs>
3: all it was was, like, an index and an appendix of, like, there's netting in the giraffe's brain so that their brain doesn't explode when all the blood rushes to their head, when they bend their neck. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you knew about that. I did not. But yeah, if you think about it, like if you're a human with a super long neck, and if you were to bend that neck down, assuming you have just a jacked neck, (laughs) um, and you can do that, (laughs) if you did that, all the blood in your neck would rush to your head, and all your, like your head would explode, or at least the blood vessels in your head would explode, and you would die. yep. So that's something that I hear and I'm like, huh, I wonder what their answer is. And I read in the handbook and it is a really informative answer that makes intuitive sense and like logical sense. And so Mm. I would do that with any kind of thing that I had heard from the church of like, this is why evolution is false. And I wouldn't say that I was swayed in those moments, but there was like, oh, wow, these are not these are not easy to write off. And I've been told too simple of answers, Mm -hmm. which just reinforced like, hmm, can I trust the church? You know, they get rid of this person that was really formative, who I, I loved, and then also like the things that I was taught might not be true,
1: question mark? Right. So
3: that starts a journey. Of course, when I get to college, I'm still wanting to pursue a campus ministry and I get involved in a Christian fraternity because I haven't found any alternative to that kind of community Mm. and especially being entrenched in that in my upbringing. Yeah. Even as someone who was wounded by the church and might not trust the church even now, Mm. there are good people there who want the best for you all of the time. Right. And I have never found an alternative. And then of course, you know, joining a Christian fraternity and all those guys just being awesome guys who I still want in my life. I think that's a testament to Christian teaching and Christian tradition, which is why I've never fully let go and why I'm still very interested in the topic. Yeah. I was never like, I don't believe in any of this. I'm an atheist now. Goodbye. Right. I still kind of try to go to a church in Denver, you know, which I hear the sermons and I have to reinterpret or I'm like, I don't agree with this. I do agree with this, you know, which can be difficult and exhausting. Uh, but at the same time, it's so good for everyone involved. Um, right. Well, so, and,
0: and the community aspect of it—you mentioned back in your stories of your Christian fraternity—like these were the brothers that would we're we're going to be family regardless of what we believe.
3: Exactly. They want to do life with you. Like that's why they're here. They want to be. Yes. good virtuous men who support other good virtuous men. Right. And if you boil it down to that, like that's what church is too, which is why it's why sitting on the fence is difficult. Like I right. definitely see both sides kind of on the on the spiritual line. And I'll, I will never be like, yeah, we got to get rid of church. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that's what Hitchens talks about. Church is toxic and here's why. Yeah. That's too simple too. Like, I don't trust him either. That's way too simple of an answer. It's more complicated than that.
0: Mm-hmm. I, just the idea of complexity. Like, there's not any one good answer for all of this. There's various ways of, of seeing all these things. And again, like, you know, we covered Dawkins and Hitchens. These are the angry guys on this side or on that side. And then on the Christian side, we have angry people like Ken Ham who just can't <laughs> let it go. Right. You know, yeah, like <laughs> for You're giving I, us
3: a bad reputation, dude. And you can say that to people on dude, both sides. Chill, right. Yeah. And for, out.
0: <laughs> and for, you know, there was entertainment value in it, but for the farce that was the Ken Ham and Bill Nye debate, that that's not what you and I are talking about. That's not what we're interested no. in. We're interested in no, the much blurrier, the much more gray between the black and white. Exactly. Just, it's uncomfortably squishy most of the time, but this is where we don't necessarily live on purpose. But like you said, as we were kind of defining deconstruction for ourselves, it was this is what's being uncovered in us. And it, these are tensions to manage and not just arguments to win.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Certainly. Wow. Yeah. And the older I've gotten, and again, you know, I'm only 25, so it's yeah. not like I've figured everything out. <laughs> right. The older I've gotten. I'm so wise now. I have had to become more comfortable with Squishy. So you say it's uncomfortably Squishy, and I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, I think you have to just accept that that is how it is. Which, if anyone is interested in all this, we get to it on several episodes of Into, which have not yet been released as of this recording. I'm excited Um, for it. But like existentialism, like if you boil down reality and spirituality like we're talking about theoretical physics like what do you do with relativity what there's so much stuff in science that we put or at least a lot of you know um, non-religious people put a lot of Trust and stock in science. Right. There yeah. comes a point in science where we're like, stuff's happening and we have no idea why. And in fact, it's non dualistic and counterintuitive. Like, yes. how is light a wave and a particle? Right. You know? <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure people have heard that argument before, but can you imagine how that actually went down? Like the side that says, no, it's a wave. And then someone else said, it's a particle. And then there's someone in the middle in the gray area going, hey guys, but what if it's both? Yeah. And they're like, shut up. There's no way it's both, you know? The, the thing, but like that, uh, that's the nature of reality.
0: And the thing that trips me out the most about light is its dual nature in wave and particle. And yet it travels at a constant speed. Yeah. Like what?
3: It, <laughs> it's almost like that's the example. Like if right. there for the record, I lean toward hoping that there's a creator. And that is a really fun, almost Easter egg. In the world. Oh, yeah. Of, you know, if there's a creator who wanted us to think this way, who's like, hey, guys, it's more complicated. It's both. And also it's the one constant in the entire universe. And it makes all your calculations really weird.
0: You know, it's just like,
3: here's a (laughs) curveball. Think on that for a while. It's also the foundation of like all physics. So
0: it's the the thing that's not just one thing, but it's also constant. So, (laughs) yeah, it's constantly not one thing, but it's also constantly (laughs) the same speed. And you're welcome. Yikes. Man, Alex, this has been so good. I'm so glad you could be on our podcast. This makes me so excited. To wind us down a bit, we are curious to ask what you are currently reading.
3: So I have two books. One is called Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah
2: by Mm. Richard,
3: I think, Bach. Okay. B-A-C-H. And the other is Conversations with Rabbi Small by Harry Kimmelman. Nice.
0: Wow. Are you much of a fiction reader?
3: Oh, certainly. Okay. Listening to other episodes of people makes me appreciate my view on fiction even more. So I used to be the kind of person that was like, if I want to learn something, why would I waste my time on fiction? Mm, mm. Yeah. And over time, well. especially reading more fiction, <laughs> I have found the most that I've learned and the most I've been affected by a book yes. is fiction. Yeah. Do you have
0: a couple highlights?
3: Oh, yeah. The two that jacked me up, so more on like a spiritual journey, Yeah, <laughs> really yep. got me. I guess kind of concluded deconstruction for me was Calculating God by Robert Sawyer, which is my favorite book. Yep. And the other one, Ishmael by Daniel
0: Quinn. What are you currently listening to?
3: Mm. My favorite band is Ripe, and I listened to them today while doing some yard work. So I'll say them. Excellent. And then podcasts, uh, Planet Money. They're like 20, 25-minute episodes, nonpartisan. Yep scientific economics, very entertaining. Love them.
0: What are you currently watching right now? This might be some movies you want to highlight or shows that you're into right now.
3: Oh, so Katie and I watch a lot of stuff together. She loves film and she analyzes it and has all kinds of cool stuff to say. That being said, since being on quarantine, we have binged watch America's Next Top Model.
1: Okay. (laughs) Ah Yes. And I'm
3: I'm not proud of it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is excellent.
3: An actual recommendation is uh, Mr. Robot. We have slowly been watching that. It's dark. I don't recommend it to everyone, but man, that's a good show.
0: Fantastic. Alex, this has been so fun.
3: Hey, I agree. This has been super fun.
0: (laughs) I'm glad we reconnected. I'm glad you get to be on my podcast. To close us out, would you read our favorite quote for the podcast?
3: The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well.